Mini episode 1219 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at Sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Uh, what were your thoughts on what they did? Because it, both from a filling holes perspective and from a talent perspective, I was pretty happy, and I think I would concur with Chris's B+. Uh, yeah. Uh, first off, George Brown was on the back of the thing. Yeah. Chris and I were bemoaning that in real time. Because he's got some technique issues that really make me cringe. It's just 
And then I went back and watched Wills again. You know, once you see Joe Thomas completely nerd out about an offensive tackle, you have to reassess just where, you, where you're at on that. Mm-hmm. So I had him somewhere between like 2A and 2B. Uh, and then the more I look at that kid, the more I'm just, I, I see exactly what Joe's referring to. Uh, he does everything well. And he does, he doesn't let defenders, uh, get the better of him, which you do see from time to time on works, uh, and from back then. But I, I'm in love with the world's pick right now, and I have zero hesitation on him moving to the left side and insert whatever tool is left-handed insert that you like there, but I have no, no concerns about that whatsoever. Um, now, while in hindsight, I can look back and say, look how phenomenally brilliant the trade back from 41 was. I can accept that now. Right. <laughs> but that's not knowing that you've got to get an impactful, immediate starter at safety or linebacker at that spot. But my immediate ground-centric brain went to, oh crap, it's just lost Delphi. Right. And for them to go back, like, nine picks or whatever it was, knowing darn well that there's no well, only three. Let's look at them. It was what? It was only three. And initially, when they heard that they were trading, I panicked. But once I realized that they were dropping back from 41 to 44, and I looked at the team in the front, and I knew they didn't need a safety, I was like, at that moment, I went to heart racing. I went, oh, oh, okay. Okay, well. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, get it. Getting Delvin was, was huge, uh, because I think at that point there wasn't another safety that I was in love with, but there were about three linebackers that really liked. But I, I loved what they did there, and to Chris's point, it did display a grasp of personal discipline that we're not accustomed to. Uh, in previous years, if that's who they wanted, they would have just taken the 41 and just been done with it. And then we wouldn't have had that fifth round pick. It very well may turn into something. Uh, now, from there, it gets interesting. Uh, so, so I'll, I'll be honest, the part that, that I'm most intrigued by today is actually the last pick. Uh, but, Jedrick Wills, Grant Delphin, Jordan Elliott, again, the agree with Chris. That one I was not prepared for, but the moment it happened, instead of you know, being ground like and freaking out because you missed on the one guy I wanted there. I have to take a step back and go, I don't know, that might be brilliant, actually. Um, but, well, he's, he's, I mean, he is the clear guy they want to bring into a rotation and then eventually replace Richardson. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's why they drafted him. That's, again, that's what, that's what the deep rosters did. They said, oh, well, we had another immediate need, but you know what? This guy's value here was too great for us to pass up. And, oh, by the way, when he started in two years in replace of Richardson, we'll be damn glad we drafted him. That's more thinking that he just hasn't seen in a long time. Right. And at that, at that point in time, too, I believe we're looking, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe we're we'll be looking at something with a defensive tandem that is somewhere in the ballpark of... 24 to 28 years so old. Yeah. It's also a nice little benefit to have. Right. Um, uh, I like to see Harris uh, for what he can provide with position flexibility. Is he a center? Is he a guard? I don't know, but I'll take it either way. Right. And then, the one that really today just 
stopped going back to. And it wasn't, uh, uh, if we go through the whole draft and didn't pick it, uh, a wide receiver, I would have been fine. Right. Uh, that's not an area I'm terribly concerned with. However, I, I would implore any Browns fan who doesn't know about him or is repulsed at the notion that he played for Michigan. Oh. You go back and look at Donovan Peoples Jones again. DPJ, baby. He has essentially prototypical size. Yep. Yep. Uh, that was another one that I thought, you know, if they can get him in the weight room and add 15 pounds, 
have an awful lot of there's some real potential there for him as well. Oh yeah, I was very happy with that pick as well, no question about it. Uh, a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Rick, let me just one, one thing real quick. I feel like I would be uh, misrepresenting myself to the Browns fans if I didn't here. Um, Matthew got a linebacker. Sure. That was, that was probably 2A two, two on my list. Sure. The way the draft fell, I think it was important to get help the where they did. Now, as I mentioned before, I was, I was, I sort of let the linebackers focus. And Jacob Phillips wasn't on that short list. And I have some concerns. <laughs> uh, I'm never a fan of the Browns pick the other linebacker from a team that has a great linebacker. <laughs> you remember from uh, the USC Clay Matthews era? Yes. When we got um, Samoan, it was just garbage. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm leery of Jacob Phillips. I am willing to lean on the fact that he did come from LSU. And maybe, like people show, he will be better in the pros than he is in college. Um, I'm just afraid that he's Joe Schober's light uh, if they're going to play in there. So I'm willing to, to let it ride. Hopefully I'm wrong. But uh, that okay. was like the one pick that I looked at and went, really? Well, yeah. Well, where he's not Joe Schober is the fact that, well, uh, Schober can cover. Um, Phillips is not very good in coverage, but where Phillips um, is excellent and excels at tackling, he tackles everything. Um, yeah, you pick up on that. He doesn't get blown up. He doesn't get dragged a lot. Uh, so that, yeah, that's there are there are possible. He had the high, he, did he have the highest tackling grade of any linebacker last season. I mean, I think he did. I know he had tackles. I know he led LSU tackles. That says a lot to me that you're playing in the SEC and you're leading that team in tackles and you don't miss tackles, period. For the whole season, he had eight missed tackles. Uh, For what, 15 games? Uh, I mean, hell, we had linebackers with eight tackles in a game. Um, So, I mean, that's why they drafted him. They were like, we're going to have a guy, and we're downplaying the position, and we're not valuing it. The most important thing we want in the position is do you bring down running backs and tight ends coming across the middle? Do you tackle? And the answer for this guy is at least, yeah, he does tackle. Wonderful. So we, so we got the photo negative version of Joe Schobert. So we got that going for us. But uh, all right, well. Uh, as I said, a lot to unpack uh, from what you guys both said there. A couple things. Uh, one, in terms of what school you come from, Ohio State or Michigan. I won't say who a couple of my good friends, lounge dignitaries, were giving me the whole, I wish we'd have taken Antoine Winfield over the guy from NSU. Uh, so th- there was there was some of that, which I just strenuously disagreed with. I guess I'll just leave it at that. The legacy of stuff got to go. It does. Put it, put it on the curb, bro. Put it on the curb. Yeah. I mean, that's... There's there's no room, there's yeah, no room for that. Calling. Yeah. I got, I got the other day from a friend about the left again. Yeah. But stop it. He's over the hill, never made it, but hey, look at who her daddy was. Yeah. I mean, now, you know, that said, 
I wish the Cavs had found a way to get Gary Trent Jr., but nevertheless, <laughs> speak, <laughs> speaking of which, I will say, Chris and I were saying in real time during the NFL uh, draft when we were doing our, our Facebook stream, uh, that 740 t-shirt that Joey Burrow is rocking must get one of those. That That is pretty cool. Got, got to get one of them 740 shirts uh, to be sure. Yo, I, didn't know, I didn't know what it was, but there was a hint there that I thought, that, that's the area code and I don't know what that. <laughs> well, here's the funny thing. It wasn't the area code when we were there. I can't even remember what it was, Chris. Was it 513? It was six one four. Okay, all right. Yeah, it, it didn't. It didn't even. That that's how old we are. It wasn't even a seven four zero back then. But nevertheless, uh, in honor of Joe Burrow and in honor of the alma mater, I gotta go get one of them some bitches. But okay. Very good. Very good. Well, what I want to throw out here also for you guys too is the, the flip side of the mirror here. I'm going to go bottom five in a couple of the different categories here. Top 75 players available. Bottom five. Uh, we'll start at a tie for 27. New England and Seattle, 29. Atlanta tied for 30. L.A. Rams and Pittsburgh, 32. Kansas City. Oh, by the way, you're defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, and looking at it for filling needs, 28. New England. And a four-way tie for 29th, Buffalo, Green Bay, Indy, San Francisco. And then the mashup of the two rankings uh, as far as top 75 and filling needs, 28, Indianapolis, 29, Seattle, 30, Green Bay, 31, New England, 32, Kansas City. So some teams that you wouldn't necessarily expect to see down there, Chris. And some of it is you could look at it and say, well, some of these teams didn't have high picks or traded away high picks, but... Nothing is going to stop you from getting value with your second or third round picks uh, all in those spots there, plus uh, getting value uh, there, but additionally filling holes. Nothing stops you from filling holes just because you're, uh, you're picking a little bit lower, so there's no real excuse for it. Just atypical behavior because, again, we're looking at many successful teams uh, successful franchises that didn't grade out well in our draft rankings for this year. Well, I think uh, the one that's, you know, I think for a lot of people would be surprising is the Patriots just because of their history and pedigree. But it's clear that uh, Belichick has a strategy that's leaning towards next year. Right. Uh, and this draft for them was not about filling need at all. It was, they probably had a board of best available and just stuck to it and could care less about anything else. Who are the best players? Oh, you're the top-ranked player on our board? Well, you're the thing. Oh, we don't need that right now. Don't matter. I'm still drafting. I'm sure that's why, you know, the dog was making some picks. <laughs> uh, they're from his, from his Nantucket compound. Uh, you know, and you could, you know, it was almost like, I felt like they were, uh, the Patriots were just auto-drafting, right? They yes. Just, <laughs> here's our board. Go ahead, computer, just pick the next one. Uh, and, uh, and again, that's clearly a strategy quotes next year, they're writing off this year. Not that they're going to tank, but uh, it's, it's clearly not their strategy in terms of developing, developing that roster in the long term. So I'm not overly surprised to see that. Uh, certainly in terms of the fan base, they have enough uh, wiggle room there to be able to say, hey, we're, we're just we're retooling. Um, Kansas City, I was a little intrigued by. Um, I liked parts of their draft and then 
know, I, I wasn't thrilled with it. I do, I did like the running, I did like the running back at the, at the bottom of the first round at LSU. That's right. Uh, number aside, you know, I mentioned you that night, he just reminds me so much of Emmett Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, watching him this year, uh, that, uh, you know, that's obviously an area of need for the Chiefs and, and, uh, you know, Andy Reid. Uh, talked about how much he was, yeah, how much he reminded him of, and was better than uh, was the kid he had in Philadelphia. Um, when he was there, uh, uh, Buckholder. Okay. The one he got out of Villanova. Oh, Westbrook, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Westbrook. He said he's better than him, so uh, you know, reminded me a lot of Andrew Smith. So I know that was one that a lot of. Um, you know, grading, they really gave a bad grade to. I know PFF hated that pick. Um, so, uh, but I like it. I thought it fit for what they're trying to accomplish. I mean, look, when you're the Chiefs and all you can do is outscore everybody on your way to a Super Bowl, do you really worry about feeling yeah, but with their cap situation being what it is, you have to use the draft to fill needs. You have to use it in these ways, and we'll see if they end up paying for that next year. I will say this quick follow-up with you before I ask Jason, and, and that being, I got a, a, an opinion from FDH Lounge dignitary Anthony Patrone, who was aghast that if Kansas City was going running back, that they didn't go Jonathan Taylor. I said, say what you will about the pick he made. He fits them better than does Taylor. I'm right about that, am I not? Uh, you are because he's a much better, uh, you know, receiving yes. running back than Taylor is. I think at this point, could Taylor get better? Sure. Yeah. But uh, for right now, he's very much plug and play. Yes. So uh, from that standpoint, he made a lot more sense in the short term for them. Um, where you know, I think Taylor went to the right spot in Indianapolis. Right. And um, I think he'll fit what they're trying to do and what they ask their uh, what they ask their running backs to do much better. So again, what we always talk about players, I mean, you know, their success is first predicated upon where they go in the system they get drafted in. And I thought most of those teams drafted correctly based on what they ask their running backs to do. So, so yeah, no, I think this is Kansas City more so than Jonathan Taylor. Absolutely. Uh, Jason, how do you see it this year as far as some of the losers of the draft and some of those potentially including uh, some teams that we've been used to seeing as winners on the field? Yeah, uh, a fair amount here. Uh, so, first off, just because I'm here, I guess, uh, I made a comment on social media during the draft that I thought John Elway hit it out of the park in round one with Jerry Judy. Yes. And the rest of the draft to me, just from a why did you pick that guy in particular kind of perspective, because I feel like they, they reach pretty much everywhere else. Uh, I, I made the comment that John Elway looked like he was somewhere between phoning it in and letting the bet. Yeah. Uh, or even taking a test and being studying for the wrong test. Like, I, I wasn't sure what the heck he was doing. Now, that's not to say they're bad picks. It's just that you're looking at this and saying, okay, if they're going to grab a quarter, there are these two or three guys I think they're going to go for. And then they pick someone that they probably could have gotten around later. It's just strange. Uh, 
Kansas City, I agree. Uh, the running back's a nice pick. Uh, Russ comes to say desperately needs to figure out because the committee thing's only going to work for so long. Um, yeah, I agree that they probably aren't too worried <laughs> about their pick because at this point they're probably just supplementing what they already have. Uh, one, that a lot of teams, there are a lot of, let's say, rankers or, or websites are now on, and I get it. Um, but you see them, I guess that they didn't necessarily go after need, but I do like what they did. Uh, Jacob Eason was, was a nice value pick at quarterback. Uh, big, strong arm guy that, you know, isn't necessarily ready to go right away, but he could be nice in the future. But Michael Pittman is, he's big, he's nice, uh, and John Taylor just feel like fits him so wonderfully. And I feel like he's just like so I don't think it's really well, even if they didn't go in thinking that we have X number of holes that need to be filled. And then um, the last two that I've got for you are, are just as funny as anything. Um, New England, I love Kyle Duggar, and I feel like he is about the most New England pick that was out there to be made, short of Lovishka uh, from Colorado, which just feels like a Belichick type receiver. Right. Um, but he didn't go there. So I love those two things. So here's the funny part. I don't recognize any thought process or logic or perspective on any of their other picks. But because it's Belichick, who cares? He's going to find a way to make that work for his system. And if you were going back to that, oh, he, he thought he, he went to bed. He actually killed him. So it's Belichick. Who knows the heck's going on? Right. And then the last thing I want to say is there was a prospect in this draft wasn't being talked about a ton until very late. He was a guy that I really loved. And I, I actually thought, if, if we're going to assume that New England's not going to sort of just do what they do and just eat whatever record they get and then come back all of these assets next year and just clean house and, and create a situation that allows them to compete in 2021, if we throw that away, I actually thought Jordan Love was Taylor-based I don't, I, he was 
I'm pretty pissed off because Tom Brady goes to the Bucks and the Bucks roll out the red car, obviously because it's Tom Brady, but they address areas that are going to make the quarterback and the offense happy. And it's almost like Green Bay just said sit on it and rotate. The Green Bay draft was like this. If we could get, if we had to figure out a way to design a way to make Aaron so mad that he would hold out for an entire season, what would we do? Let's let's design a draft around that strategy, and that's what they execute. <laughs> well, a couple things, guys. I'm I'm stealing both of these takes from Twitter, but these are so outstanding. I I have to. Uh, there was one bit of commentary that said that evidently the Green Bay front office watched the last dance and came to the conclusion that Jerry Krause was the sympathetic protagonist. So that that's one possible explanation. <laughs> Another one is, <laughs> think about this, guys. We now have a quarterback depth chart in Green Bay, and this is the ranking for the moment, who's one and two. One A-Rod, two J-Lo. How about that? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, both of those. Uh, to that, I would just add the take that uh, for all of the talk about hacking during the draft, how do we know the Packers weren't hacked by Ted Thompson? Because it sure as hell feels like one of his drafts. <laughs> so, maybe he... <laughs> Yes. Well, I tell you what, though. I hear what you're saying on that, but they can cut at least eight of them now that they got Cole Komet. I love that kid. He is a stud, and I think he is going to be a big-time performer. Uh, I think he's going to make some Pro Bowls there in Chicago. He's a quarterback's best friend as far as being a reliable outlet, and he gives you much more than that. So I hear what you're saying. They were stupid to have stockpiled the way they did before, but it doesn't mean they didn't get somebody that's not really great. Well, it shows how brave he is. He's willing to just keep going back to the same position and basically admitting these previous nine were all wrong. I'm going for this again. I'll applaud him for not being afraid of going back to the well. And I agree with you on the, on the prospect. I like the kid. I think he's got you know potential pro bowl written all over him. He's a real deal, but man, wow, right Pace. You know, I don't know. Think about another position, maybe. I yeah. Think there are other positions still. Are we suggesting that, that, that Cole Komet might be the uh, Alton Johnson to the Detroit Lions scenario here? So <laughs> you just keep pictures of the oh. get it right? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I would put him in the same breath as Megatron in any other sense, but yeah, in that narrow, limited sense, yeah, that after the... Charles Rogers and five guys named uh, Williams in the first round and whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think that might be uh, that that you, well, you might Kmet hit on that. Was the, I thought Kmet was number one on an island by himself. Me too. As far as I so. Me too. So, so it was it was tier one, both men, and then it was dot 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 dot, and eventually you get to you know second tier. But yeah, I, I think. He's one of those sort of all-around complete tight ends that does everything equally as well. well uh, is, is he Brock? No. <laughs> but, you know, he, he's going to be 
and I will say this, that the performance that he gave last year, uh, we have it in our draft guide here, Pro Football Draftology 2020. I brought back the feature that I had from last year of attempting to anticipate the top not only NFL but college games of the year. And the top college game of the year, I said going into last year, to me the most anticipated college game because of the stakes that there were, was Notre Dame at Georgia. My brother and his wife being Notre Dame alums, they were there, they were at that game that night. A disappointing outcome for them, but a performance for the ages, really, in getting to see Cole Komet against a great Georgia team and what he did in a losing effort. I mean, that kid is just very, very, very talented. And I hear what you're saying, Chris, but I do think that, yeah, I mean, they have finally, finally hit up, you know, just like Jason said, Megatron with the Lions, finally hit upon that. And while I'm referencing history, I will say, uh, Jason, it was bringing back memories the other night. Chris and I remarkably making it all the way through the first round doing that live stream. No pee breaks. We just kept it right on going. We plowed through. Not exactly the same thing, but because we took pee breaks, obviously. We, we called them commercial breaks uh, for the purposes of tastefulness. But 2006, I will go to my grave never forgetting that. You and I, what was it, 9.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m., one of the last years the draft was still on a Saturday, plowing through a 10-hour marathon at the old Sports Talk Network. I was summoning up a little bit of that marathon spirit the other night, my friend. Yeah, no, that was, uh, I, I tend to tell the story of that almost every year to somebody. <laughs> uh, and this, this year, you know, it wasn't necessarily about the breaks for the, the duration, but, you know, that, that was, that, that was a draft that we'll remember for a long time. Uh, for a number of reasons. And, uh, not all of them are, you know, player personnel related, although there was some, some bad picks that year. But yeah, no, that was that was a fun time. That's that's one of those days that and I hope everyone has this in their life. When you look back on some job where you just did uh, you know, an incredibly grueling, long, driven thing, but but enjoyed every second of it. It was uh, outstanding. I still rag on Anthony Patron to this day who was doing some guest booking, he kept promising us mid-afternoon we were going to get Troy Aikman. I still don't know what happened there. <laughs> but we were... Well, and I say this in all good fun. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, when you book an elite guest yes. early in your career, yes. they, they cloud judge me going forward. I don't know how realistic it is, but ever was right. uh, that day. But, right. You know. The Nance effect being what it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we dutifully plugged it, only to have a little bit of, you know, it, I'd say especially me, egg on my face. I was the one plugging it. But, uh, oh, well, no, it was a great time. And uh, it was it was amazing, just like the other night was. And uh, just like getting to break it down with here with you two guys today, uh, the NFL draft season is always something I look forward to. It is, it is great doing these roundtables with the two of you guys here. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing what happens through the off season uh, with you guys uh, subsequently. Uh, Jason Jones, thanks very much for being on today. Yes, sir. Chris Galloway, thank you as always, my man. Uh, you've been uh, a part of every one of the uh, football segments we've done for the NFL draft this year, including the two-parter on the Browns. Thank you so much. Uh, always a pleasure. Really appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this mini-episode of the FDH Lounge.